Hello, friends, and happy Friday to you. Um, my husband is flirting with both myself and Vince, it seems. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure whether to, to be jealous or not. Um, they have a very close friendship. I'll just leave it at that and move on. Um, okay, so I get in the car this morning to come down here, and the radio is blaring. And I, I have a habit of shutting the radio off before... I exit the vehicle, but I wasn't the last one to drive it. And so it was up really loud. And, um, and normally I like to drive when I'm by myself, I like to drive in silence. And, um, but I got ready to, to turn the, the radio off and, and God was like, I want you to listen. And so I was like, Okay, so I'm listening to this song that is, you know, when, when you're familiar with different radio songs, especially if they have been playing for probably decades, um, you just don't pay attention to them anymore. They're just familiar to you. And, and this was a song by a group called Genesis. And the name of the song was Misunderstanding. And, and I'm just going to read the lyrics to you because I think that it will speak for itself. And immediately God just started unraveling what it was that, that he wanted to say to us and to do, and not do, to be for us. Because God would rather be known as someone who is, is going to be something for us because he is after intimacy, right? Like everything that, that he has done has been in context of family. He is, he's very, very family oriented and, um, and refers to us as adopted sons and daughters. And, and wow, I mean, talk about intimacy. There is just such a beautiful, um, there's just a beautiful thing there to grab hold of for us in understanding that he chose us. We belong. Um, I'll pause really quick and just say, hello, Virginia. Oh, oh. Every time I think of you, I just have to shrug my shoulders and just kind of like, I just love you so much. And hi, Lisa. Lisa, we are down too, like a, a week and a half. And I did see the notification that you sent your travel plans to me. I just haven't opened it yet. So yay, Lisa will be back in Kansas soon. Watch out, Kansas. Okay. That's just what I'm going to say. This, this gal is someone who changes the color of landscapes. I love to remind her that God said that over and over and over again. You know, listen, when you are in a, a um, when you're in community with people and God speaks a word over people, it is your job to wield that sword over their life. So you can ask her, I'm kind of relentless. The moment that she starts veering off in a different direction, I'm like, excuse me. <laughs> and your name is anyway, it's because I love you, Lisa. Okay. So let me read these lyrics to you again. Genesis is the group. And the song title is Misunderstanding, and this is what it is. There must be some misunderstanding. There must be some kind of mistake. I waited in the rain for hours. You were late. Now it's not like me to say the right thing, but you could have called to let me know. I checked your number twice, don't understand it, so I went home. Well, I'd been waiting for this weekend. I thought that maybe we could see a show. Never dreamed I'd have this feeling, but seeing you is believing. That's why I don't know why you didn't show up that night. There must be some misunderstanding. There must be some kind of mistake. I was waiting in the rain for hours and you were late. And it ends with... Um, 
Since then, I've been running around trying to find you. I went to the places you always go. I rang your home but got no answer, jumped in my car and went around there. I still don't believe it. He was just leaving. There must be some misunderstanding. There must be some kind of mistake. And I understand what this song is talking about. And I also understand what it is that Jesus is getting at this morning. And immediately my, oh, I know, my mind rushed to Song of Songs 5. And let's just, I'm going to read just a portion of um, a commentary from Madame Guion. I know that's probably backwards for you. Um, and, and this is the commentary on um, chapter five, verse two. I sleep, but my heart is awake. It is the voice of my beloved that knocks saying, open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my undefiled, for my head is filled with dew and my locks with the drops of the night. Oh my gosh. And her commentary says this, although your outer man may seem dead, like a body in a deep sleep, your spirit keeps a secret and hidden union in God. Isn't that so good? Now this scene is Jesus coming to her door. He's knocking on the door and, and she is going like, what, what do you want? <laughs> like, I've already taken off my outer garments. I'm in bed. And so she is attempting to not persuade him, but to persuade herself. I've already done the work. I already took off my outer garments and, and I've already experienced you in, in a way that satisfies my flesh. Right. So I took off my outer garments and, and, and he even goes as far as, you know, the, oh gosh, you guys go back and, and read. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go back and read the whole thing because I personally will get lost in that story and I won't get through what it is. I feel like God has for us, but he even like sticks his hand through the door and, and it says that it's dripping with myrrh. And what we know about myrrh is that it is a symbolism of suffering. It is it is about the death, the sacrifice of Jesus. And he's inviting her in to experience experience that that suffering because he's looking for union. Don't you love that? Where she says in the, the commentary, although our outer man may seem dead like a body in a deep sleep, your spirit keeps a secret and hidden union with God. So no matter what, we're in this hidden union with God. The moment that our eyes have, have been opened to see who he really is, we can't help but be attached to him. However, we often want to settle for whatever satisfies us in the moment. And he's always knocking, saying, let's go deeper. Let's go higher. Whether for you it's deeper or higher in the moment, I don't know. I, I Pepper Pepper said it this way one time. Um, deeper up is that how she said it? Deeper up, and um, I always look for confirmation in, for <laughs> Vince's head <laughs> nodding down in the little tiny box. And deeper up, and, and so however in the moment that looks for you, what is his invitation right now for you to go higher or deeper? lower, whatever it is, he's knocking 
on our doors because he's wanting to build a deeper intimacy with us. Now, this morning, I really believe he's wanting us to go back. He's wanting us to return. And before I get into this next part of of scripture that I want to read, I, I, I want to remind us of what God said about family revival in the word he spoke over us for 2023. It says this, family revival, hearts turn back to me in deep reverence and lasting devotion. The least of these, the worst off will hear my knocking and let me in. I am releasing a healing bomb over families with a grace to uncover iniquities. Deep healing is coming to my house of myrrh. I'm touching pain-filled memories trapped in the hidden corners of your soul. I'm sweeping out every crevice and corner. This is the jubilee year of the soul. In order to be satisfied and not crushed by the release of my greater glory. Watch me for this one thing. Hold me to my word. I am restoring family life. Ask me even now and I will step in. You will house people eager to surrender and willing to die. Ask me. I will diffuse the essence of that sweet resin in your midst. You will know my intention, my call for surrender with the wafting fragrance of myrrh. Now that is such a... a big word. Oh, thank you, Vince. You can kind of read through it there on your own if you need to go back and look at it. Um, he's he's saying like, this is the one thing that I want you to, to hold me to, remind me on a regular basis. This is what I said that I would do for you, that there would be a glorious return of families being reunited together. And and this is what, you guys, it was so wild. So this song ends and immediately the hosts of the morning show start talking about, um, I honestly don't even know what station I was on because I don't listen to the radio ever. And, uh, but they started talking about, um, one of the ladies had um, a relative bring a box full of pictures and and her immediate family had lost all of their pictures in a flood. But an aunt had brought over all of these pictures and they spent hours sorting through them. And she was talking about how each of those images held a memory for her and everything suddenly began began to come alive again. And, and for me, you know, I knew exactly what it was that, that God was pointing to. I was reminded of this portion of the word immediately. And I, I, I couldn't wait to get down here so I could start writing things out. And you should see, you should see my notes. It's like chicken scratch because I didn't have a whole lot of time. And so you'll have to bear with me as I release what it is that I feel like God is saying because I've got it written down here and I don't want to miss a single portion of it because I feel like this is going to be a pivotal moment for us in in recovering what it is that is ours and recovering intimacy in spaces where we felt like it was lost. God is asking us to remember. So let's go to Revelation 2 and um, I'll just start in in one. Um, Write the following to the messenger of the congregation in Ephesus. For these are the words of the one who holds the seven stars. He holds them firmly in his right hand, who walks among the seven gold lampstands. 
I know all that you've done for me. You have worked hard and persevered. I know that you don't tolerate evil. You have tested those who claim to be apostles and proved they are not, for they were imposters. I also know how you have bravely endured trials and persecutions because of my name, yet you have not become discouraged, but I have this against you. You've abandoned the passionate love you had for me in the beginning. Think about how far you've fallen. Repent and do the works of love that you did at first. Don't you love that? Return to the things you did at first. This is all about memory. Remembering what it is that we were invited into in the first place. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago on um, Talking Point with Invictus, where um, I had this moment in my life where I I had gotten to this point of like my my hunger began to wane a little bit, and um, and I started recognizing what it was that everybody around me was doing and. And, and started taking on the garments of others and becoming dissatisfied with the garments that Jesus had put on me. And, and so there was an exchange that was taking place. And I began to, to want to pull on the, the identity of others and wear them. And, and the way that, that I went about doing that was I, I forsook the intimacy that I already had with Jesus at that point, and I became intimate with the identity of others, and I wanted to become what it was that they were modeling, which for me, and this is the danger of comparison, is you always will feel like the Lord is withholding something from you. Because we've misunderstood that we each have a part to play. We are each a single facet of the Lord Jesus Christ. If if, if he is a diamond and, and you could just spin him around and admire him from every angle, you are looking at the purpose and intention of different individuals that exist on the planet today. Because we each hold a facet, a singular facet of who he is. To me, that is absolutely beautiful. And, and, and when we all come in the fullness of who he's created us to be, it is a powerful experience for all to enjoy. But what I was doing was stealing someone else's identity because I thought that it was better. I thought that it would get me to where it was that I felt like I needed to be. And so I started really trying to study hard and to know things in a cerebral sense. And I was never made that way. I, I tend to memorize emotion rather than content. I don't know if that even makes sense to you, but that's just kind of how I'm made up is <laughs> like I can memorize the emotion of of a scenario or a moment and it sticks with me like my prophetic memory is intensely good. 
<laughs> like I can recall prophetic moments from years and years and years ago. And even over other people, they're not even like my own personal things. <laughs> that is definitely not me. <laughs> and, and so I, I, I have, that's just, that's, that's how my intimacy with Jesus works is he, he really pulls on that emotional space within me. Now I can't use that as an excuse to enthrone emotion, right? Just like those of you who are more cerebral can't enthrone mind. They are, they are all, um, they make up the, um, uh, who we are and, and we, our spirit man has to be the one sitting on that throne. Right. And their informants are, whether it's mind, will, or emotion, um, that you tend to pull on or that Jesus tends to pull on the most is, is what we need to allow to, to have influence over us in those moments. So anyway, I was attempting to, to become something that I just simply wasn't, which, you know, for me, it was just a disaster. And I became a very miserable person very, very quickly. I, um, I, I didn't really, uh, relationships were falling apart. And um, I, I was just, I felt angry. It was like, angry Angie. <laughs> and it just didn't work out for me. And so this moment with the Lord, and it didn't come by the same. It was me returning. I had to return. And it was kind of like he picked me up kicking and screaming and took me back to the starting point. Return to the things you did at first. You've left your first love. And so in that, he reminded me of who it is that I was in him. How it was that that he began to teach me in the first place. Right? God would tell me stories. And, and in these stories, it was just wrapped up in scripture. And um, it was later that I would find, oh my gosh, that's in scripture. Can I tell you one encounter that I had? And this was so many years ago at this point. I think I only had three children. That's what I base timelines on. <laughs> it's how many kids I had at the time, or perhaps who I was pregnant with at the time. I had three kids at the time. And... Um, and I was I was in this space of um, of just communing with the Lord, and um, and there had been a big scare in my family's life with cancer. I had an uncle that had died a a very very quick death, and he had melanoma, he had skin cancer, and um, he he was diagnosed with pneumonia in November and cancer killed him in February. So it was very, very quick and it was very um, painful. And, um, and it really affected our entire family and everybody was going in and having moles biopsied and you get the idea, you know, it was just this thing. And, and I happened to be a very moly individual. And so my mom was always like, you know, watching the moles on me even. And, and so it created a, a fear in me that I didn't know, that I didn't know. I was uh, 14 years old when this happened. And so this particular morning, I was with Jesus and he starts bringing this to my attention. And, um, and I was kind of like, do I have cancer? <laughs> And, um, and, and it was just like this moment of deliverance and it happened so quickly, so 
quickly. I was lying there. And, and he says to me that he comes riding on the wings of the wind to deliver me. And I didn't know that was scripture at the time. I had no idea. But I was like, whoa, that is some cool language, right? I was like, he comes riding on the wings of the the wind has wings, you know, like all of the imagery because I have an imagination that is crazy. And, um, but he, it says that in scripture that he comes riding on the wings of the wind. And, and for me in that moment, he was, he ha- had me captive. I was like, look at you. And that fear diminished immediately the moment that my eyes were fixated on the one who comes riding on the wings of the wind. So for me, this is a space of first love, of returning, forsaking that fear in that moment and returning. And what happened next was my first encounter with anything other right? Like I had never experienced anything of darkness, anything demonic. And up from my being rose, the only thing I know to say, and I wasn't smart enough at the time because I only knew Jesus, is that it was it was this entity that just, and it had kind of this greenish tinge to it, was just pulled up and out of me and gone, just gone. And I don't know. I mean, now I can look at it and think, man, if that thing had a name, I think its name would be fear of cancer. And I think that our Western world probably is riddled with the demonic, a demon or demons by the name of fear of cancer. And if fear of cancer can reside inside of us, then it can also alter our makeup. Fear is a dangerous thing to side with. And so I'm telling you the story, just not for the sake of drawing attention to a demon possibly named fear of cancer, but for us to understand that all it takes is for us to return and have our eyes fixed and our, our being situated in that first love place, in that return, return to that intimate relationship, to what he called us into in the first place. Like, I can't return. So say say I know Jen Cannon really well, which isn't the truth. I know Jen Cannon kind of. But say I'm very familiar with the way, the inner workings of her relationship with Jesus. And in moments like this, where I'm dealing with a fear of some sort, and I attempt to return to Jen's experience, that thing still has permission to stay. It's only by the authority of the intimacy we have with Christ. Only by the authority of the intimacy we have with Christ that these things have to flee. They have to go. I can't sit in Jen's encounter. I can't sit in her relationship, in her intimacy with the Lord. It has to be my own. Because as a facet of Jesus Christ, I am carrying my own authority, not usurping someone else's. And so that thing had to go because in that moment, the Lordship of Jesus Christ, because of the one who comes riding on the wings of the wind, took over, took over everything. Powerful. It's powerful to be us in the space that Christ carved out for us to be in. 
Now we have to grow and mature. I'm not saying not to do that, but it is about returning to the things that we did at first. And we see in the story of, of the, the Shulamite in chapter five, where she she's missed a moment of being invited into something deeper, better, because she's like, I'm, I'm satisfied. And this is where we need to mature. This is where we need to say yes to the things that he's inviting us into. It's that deeper up. But this morning, I think it's a return. It's not happenstance that the name of the group was Genesis. So it's returning, going back to the beginning and remembering. And these are the things. I just kind of want to read some of these things because I, I don't want to miss it. Um, God is returning us to the days of remembering. And I do believe that this is how he's going to set us free. This is how he's going to sever the, the iniquities that are potentially, probably holding family lines hostage. We have to return to remember where he's at. So what he showed me is that if we would be brave enough to return to some of these spaces that we probably don't really want to look at, that he would reveal himself in those moments. So I, I know enough about Sozo to know that it's about finding Jesus in the situation. And, and I'm not trained in Sozo, but anytime that, that God has invited me into working with individuals, it's always about, well, where's Jesus at in the room? And if we can find Jesus in that space, we can find redemption. We can find reconciliation and we can find true forgiveness in those spaces. So he's revealing himself throughout our history. So there's going to be historical markers that he's going to lead us into that just like I laid out, when we are returning to our first love, when we are returning to that space that Christ carved out for us to dwell with him in, we will have the authority to dismantle those things, right? All of my children are calling me right now. <laughs> if you can hear my phone buzzing. Um, what did he say? Okay, so he is revealing himself throughout our historical markers, strengthening our resilience by creating a strength of history that we've already had with him. So when we go back to these historical markers that he's wanting to, to release freedom in and wanting our eyes to fall on him, he's creating a strength of history that we've had with him. I, th there is a, a, a song that I think Bethel released several years ago now um, by, um, is it Alton Eugene, maybe is his name. I think it's just called History. And it's just about you and I. We've got history. We go way, way back, way back. And that is exactly what it is that Jesus is wanting to establish for us in our family lines to reveal that they may not have seen me, right? Those that have gone before us in our family lines, they may not have seen me, but you have been empowered to go back to those historical markers and find me there. You've got to remember, 
He lives outside of time and space. We can go backward and forward in the spirit realm. And he is wanting to bring redemption into some of those spaces. Is that exciting for anyone? Like this, this really excites me. And, um, but I don't want us to stop there. I want us to actually do the work. Like let's, let's jump in on this and commit to, you guys, it's his will right now. Like this is what he's wanting. He's wanting to release families from past iniquities so that we can take the kingdom of God further than it's ever gone before, right? Like that's our job is to pull on the kingdom of heaven and spread it wide. That's just who we are. But it's going to take us going back and seeing him in those spaces. Okay. And and he did just say to me, Angie, I've been there through it all. Like there's just never a time that he's distant or absent. We have to believe that. I want you to hear something. I want you to hear his voice from the distance of history calling you. He's calling to you like a, a, a savage warrior to come back and take what's yours. Hear him calling you from the distance of history. It's like hide and seek, right? This is just, that's, it's just, it's like a childlike game where we get to go back and find him in these spaces. And honestly, you guys, there's plunder in these spaces. Things that got left behind that he intended to be attached to our family lines. And I've got to tell you that both my husband and I had dreams about his mom last night. This is also not just coincidence. It's not. We both had similar dreams about his mom last night, and they were both extremely powerful dreams. So he's very vested in family right now. Remember says the Lord. Remember. When we go, we must remember. We don't want to be caught up in all of the things because you never know what 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 you're going to see when you go there. You're not going there to find the junk. You're going there to find the Jesus, right? So we have to take with us remembering. If we're going to bring restoration to our family lines by going back, it's treasure hunt. We're going to remember. Now your eyes might fall on things, but you have to remember that what you release forgiveness over on the earth will be forgiven in heaven. What you don't can't be forgiven. We are powerful. He's given us a whole lot of authority, and I think we barely scratched the surface with it. Now, this is something that was very, very specific. In these spaces of remembering, in these historical markers, and and I don't know how far back these go. For this, this particular point, I felt like it was more recent history than like, long ago. I feel like that was this, this part is for us specifically, not necessarily ancestrally, but he said that um, he showed me this picture of 
those who have laid hold of falsified forgiveness have been riddled in pain. And this pain started off as emotional pain and has begun to manifest itself in a physical nature. This falsified forgiveness was a, a bandage laid over the top of to, to um, satisfy the moment, but it did not satisfy your soul. He's calling it falsified forgiveness because it wasn't done in your own carved out authority. He's calling it falsified because it didn't actually bring you life. It has riddled you with pain. And so there is in that, like return to that really painful place, you guys. And I have my own painful places, so I understand that sometimes it's even hard to open our eyes and look at those things, that we feel like we could be absolutely crushed by these things, but that's the lie. The truth is, is when you return to these places in that first love space, in that space of carved out Christ-likeness, you are empowered with authority to forgive. Falsified forgiveness is laying hold of what you think people think you should do. Falsified forgiveness is playing a role rather than becoming, right? Like we, we want forgiveness to be real enough that we can make agreements in every part of our being with that forgiveness. Um, he called it self-healing. He said, you will be free of the self-healing that you've equipped yourself with. So he was calling this falsified forgiveness self-healing that you've equipped yourself with. This isn't the equipping of the kingdom. This is self-equipping. This is something that you laid hold of to cope. And, and he's wanting to bring about a, a more real experience with healing, a more real experience with forgiveness. And I just, I feel his heart toward those of us that have done this. And I think that we all have to some degree. And I, I feel his heart, like his heart is so compassionate toward you. And, and it's almost like he even admires the way that, that you wanted to be courageous enough to lay hold of this falsified forgiveness, but it just hasn't quite done it for you. And you have been riddled with pain ever since. And this is what he said, I will construct an altar, an altar of satisfied accounts for you. I will construct an altar of satisfied accounts for you if you will fall upon it to rest your weariness down. A true forgiveness will come to you from my hand. And I see this true forgiveness as a healing balm saturating every part of us, going into those corners, into those crevices that, that he's cleaning out. I shared this um, about oh, almost two weeks ago now. Um, 
that I had a moment where Jesus was revealing. I, I, I had, I was confronted with um, some painful memories a couple of weeks ago and really painful memories, things that like want to take your feet out from under you. Jeez. And, um, I want to do things right. Like I have a standard for myself and I want to do things right. Very black and white. There is right and there is wrong. And and I wanted to be able to, to make it through this moment whole. But God in his faithfulness wounds us. And he does it so that we really can be whole. We've bought into a candy-coated gospel that, that makes us believe somehow that, that it's all like rainbows and sunshine. And the thing is, is that it can be, but we also have to turn and face the things that he is uncovering. And so in my need to do this thing right, I was asked to to do things on behalf of of these people that represented the, this pain in my life that was crazy you guys crazy can you go in and prepare their bedroom for them can you go wash their sheets i've got to tell you that this pain comes from a sexual abuse of three of my daughters <laughs> and um and i thought dear jesus like, you want me to return to a bed, to prepare a bed of all things? <laughs> um, and, and it was painful. Like, I pretty much cried through the whole dang thing. But I did it. And I, what I'm telling you is that it took me actually reaching out to people and saying, this is what's going on. <laughs> Have my back. Like, it's really important that we confess where we are. So we're not alone in those spaces, especially when they're really, really hard, because then we know we've got the backing of not just the heavenly realm, but also people who are physical and tangible before us, people that we can trust. Yeah, Chris. Hosea, what a book. Um, and so afterwards, I was just retreating just like I just needed I was stewing also you know you can you can be stewing in anger and also retreating in holiness at the same time <laughs> we are complex beings and and in and he allows it because he wants the collision right like he wants the the collision of these these stewing moments and his holiness and, and that's exactly what happened. And he pinpointed in me, like I'm telling you guys with precision, he touched this space of pain inside of me that was after revenge. Now, I didn't think I had it in me. I didn't. I, I didn't think that, that I had that in me. I thought I had done all the work and I have done a lot of work in this area. But there was this one part of me that really was after revenge. And I had to look at it and I had to, I had to hop on the phone and I had to confess this with snot and tears and all the things. This is what's going on. 
I want revenge. And it's not like I wanted to kill anyone. I just, I wanted them to hurt the same way that I was hurting in that moment. I wanted to reveal the things that I thought they didn't know. Yeah, it is so deceptive. And half the time, we don't even know that there's unforgiveness sitting inside of us. And the thing is, is he's so kind. Jesus is so kind. Like he just reveals what he knows we have the ability to handle in the moment. And for me, this has been going on since 2013. And along the way, he is revealing things when it's time for me to have enough authority to overcome that thing. So as you're journeying back through these historical markers that he's taking you to, in these spaces of falsified forgiveness, can you please be compassionate with yourself? I do not want you to beat yourself up in these areas thinking, why didn't I take care of this in the first place? Because you didn't know, silly. You simply didn't know that that thing was still lingering in there. But if you'll allow holiness to mingle and overpower that weariness, that unforgiveness, you'll find wholeness. You will, but don't bring in self-battery. It's not, it's not conducive for healing. You'll get nowhere. You will return to the same place in a few years down the road. Let's conquer it now. And that can only happen when we allow compassion toward ourselves, the same compassion that Jesus was extending for me in that moment. Even the, the compassion that I feel he is releasing in these areas of falsified forgiveness. He's so compassionate, you guys. He's so compassionate and he's so willing to walk through the hardest things with us just to bring us freedom. Just to bring us freedom. And in that moment, if I hadn't returned to a space of remembering the intimacy that I have with him, I wouldn't be able to talk about this right now. When, when God gives us the ability to overcome, we get to stand as victors with him. He has overcome everything. Ours is to create a collision in with his victory, right? To make agreement so we collide with his victory. And it's not in faking it. it the fake it till you make it thing is not going to work. You'll be years down the road realizing that mm, that was falsified forgiveness. That got me nowhere. And look at my body. My body is riddled with pain. This is permission for us to stand victorious over the things that took the, our feet right out from underneath us. Perhaps it, it knocked the wind out of you. Whatever your story is, we can collide with holiness. We can collide with victory. And yes, that will become our testimony.
I'll leave you with that. It's really not much else to say, but what an invitation, you guys. What an invitation. I want you to feel his trust over you right now. In Song of Songs, I think it's chapter four, it says that he has carried us up, up and through the archway of trust. He has carried us up, upwards he's carried us and through the archway of trust. He trusts us with his authority. He trusts us with his power. So don't lay hold of something that is falsified when you have authentic power that you can access. So let's go back to those historical markers on a treasure hunt, finding Jesus and declaring things whole as we go. Remember, we have to remember, remember who he is all throughout scripture. It's pointing us back to remembering. Remember, remember the God who provided. Remember the God who saved. Remember the God who heals. Yeah, Jen, I don't think there is a process in forgiveness. If we don't deal with forgiveness offense, we will become bitter. We will manifest in it physically. We really will. I've, I've seen it. I, I've seen how I've felt how unforgiveness can play out. Unforgiveness will actually cause us to villainize rather than forgive. So I think that it would be really powerful to, to spend some time with the Lord and, and what I have in, in my mind right now, and I feel like this is Holy Spirit, is I see I see us all packing a bag for our journey. And he's going to be very specific with you of what it is that you need inside of this bag to be able to pull out to remember who it is that he is and who it is that you are in him. So that when you do come up against those stuck spots. You've got your bag packed and you already have all of the answers because he prepared you for this journey to uncover the iniquity of your family line. Wow. And I think that this is really important. This is what I'll leave you with. I think that this, this journey is really important because of what's coming. I think that we need to be able to, to lean back on the history with Jesus that we've uncovered so that when, when what's coming in these, these upcoming days and years, we have this strong history with the Lord to point to. Actually, I have history with the Lord that goes way, way back, like beyond my years. I've traced him back, right? We're going to need that 
we're going to need that really strong, resolute history with the Lord so that we are resilient in the upcoming battles. I mean, you can feel it. I don't, I don't think you have to be a prophet to feel what's in the atmosphere right now. It is charged. You know, there is just all kinds of things. You I, can, can you feel the grumbling of the spirit realm? I mean, it, it's just, it feels so just charged right now. And, and so we need, we need to have that deep history. When I forgave the person that murdered my colleague, my heart rhythm, just it's normal. I had called him the murderer when talking to God about my suffering. And he asked me what his name was and that broke that. And I had seen him as evil and then saw him as a human in his frailty and weaknesses. My gosh, Chris, that's powerful. That's powerful. What's his name? You've got to love a good inquisition of the Lord. Man, his, his questions are so provoking. Like they cut so deep. Father, right now, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the invitation to return to first love. To that carved out space that you created for us to dwell and to have our habitat with you. A space that is just covered in intimacy. God, where we can drop all pretenses, we can drop every role, we can drop every title and just be known as yours a resting place where it's just I and you and you and me, just a resting place. A place where we merge with holiness, where you saturate us with your love, with your affections, where we bless your name and you call ours out. Where you strengthen us and you cover us in bravery and courage. Where we hear your voice beckoning from a distance. How we're capable of being so close to you and so far away at the same time is just unfathomable. But we can hear you calling from a distance to go and discover where you have been all along. God, right now, we just declare we are up for this treasure hunt. Teach us how to wield your power and your authority and the forgiveness that you have poured out all over us, ours to steward, because what we forgive here on the earth is forgiven where you are, God. You cancel out, you break ties with iniquities the moment that we release holy fire forgiveness over something. Wow. God, wow. Ah, 
what you've empowered us with makes me shaky. It makes me shaky, Lord. And Father, for those really tough places, for those areas where we've we've laid hold of falsified forgiveness, God, we ask that you forgive us. Forgive us for laying hold of something other than you to cover up, to drown out. God, we say yes to the invitation to fall upon the altar that your naming satisfied accounts. And we lay it all down, God. We lay it all down here on this altar so we are able to journey with you where it is you want to take us. And we receive your forgiveness, God. A real, lasting, powerful forgiveness to do the work of the kingdom. To step into the ministry of reconciliation. Jesus, right now, I thank you that you are mantling each of us with such courage. Such courage, God, to go back and find you. And I thank you that you are so passionate about our family lines. And we confess right now, we have so much history with you we go way, way back. Just tell him that. Jesus, we go way, way back. You've got to remember, you've got to remember that, that we were all spoken into existence on that sixth day. We have so much history. We've got more history with the Lord than we have on the earth. Isn't that exciting? We were held in his bosom. Long time. We are more acquainted with the Lord than we are with the earth. Bless you, friends. I love you dearly. Have a great weekend.